back to the Film Buds podcast. Uh, this is episode number 002, uh, and today we're going to be reviewing Michael Bay's Transformers The Last Night, and then we're going to be doing what we call a retro review of Guillermo del Toro's Pacific Rim. Um, and what a retro review is, is we're going to be doing occasionally when there's an open space for another review, we're going to be uh, just tackling some older film that has a vague connection to the newer release, and so in this case it's another robot fighting aliens monsters movie um but it's far superior to the one to uh, transformers so um and of course my name is henry Ferdy, and i'm joined today by uh, our good buddy brayden stone brayden thank you so much for being here absolutely i'm like a bad rash now you can't get rid of i know so. right um and sadly today we are uh it is just us two for the time being because our our other host will davies was unable to make it at least so far he may come in in the middle, but we'll see, um, just due to scheduling, but he'll be here next week, as well as a, uh, another guest host, uh, who will be coming on over Skype, so you can look forward to that, um, but anyways, uh, Brayden, how you doing today? Um, pretty good, it's actually a very moderate temperature here in, in the wonderful state of North Carolina, so, so I'm not sweating, yeah. uh, yeah. always a good day when I don't sweat excessively. Well, you know, I'm a little stressed out, it's been a Kind of a long fucking week, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had a busy past few days, but it's it's been a good busy, not a bad busy. Yeah, so it's been so. it's been it's been uh, interviews and productive work and that kind of thing, and not colonoscopies. Sure. So, yeah, that's always fun. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, yeah. So uh, we have a few things to get to today. Afterwards, uh, after the reviews, we have a few discussion topics and. Um, big surprise here. We have a our first listener question, at, and or in other words, just not a, a question sent in by one of our friends. We actually have a real uh, fan question that I got a few days ago, and so that's awesome. Um, and so we'll be getting to that in a little bit. Um, but other than that, uh, got Braden got anything else to talk about? Want to bring up? You know, at at the moment, no. I'm sure. I'm sure other things will come to me when we get mm-hmm. into it. But. Sure. Uh, but no, no, at the moment, no. I mean, it's, it's, right now I'm just biting my tongue about Transformers because I really want to just. Mm-hmm. What, what better way it. to relieve some stress than exactly. to talk about a Michael Bay movie? Exactly. <laughs> oh, and uh, just a fun fact, we are recording in the Chelsea Theater, which is the independent theater right next to the coffee shop I work at, and the, is owned by the son, or I mean the father of uh, Brayden, um, and so just. If there's any weird sounds, then that's it's because we're in a movie theater right now. It is empty, but still, just in case you hear anything, um, we're outside a walkway, so we may get some chatter, but hopefully that won't happen. Um, but all right, well, without much uh, anything else to talk about, let's get into Transformers, and we've got a tip, clip, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> not a tip, let's take a listen. You want to know, don't you, why they keep coming here? Where are the others? The ones you're hiding. I don't sell out friends. Your world is dying. Optimus Prime. Do you seek redemption? My maker, I do. 
right. Uh, Transformers The Last Night is directed by Michael Bay, stars Mark Wahlberg, Anthony Hopkins, Laura Haddock, Isabella Monaire, and amongst many others. Uh, and Brain, you want to give us the plot synopsis? Sure. Here, according to IMDb, Autobots and Decepticons are at war with humans on the sidelines. Optimus Prime is gone. The key to saving our future lies buried in the secrets of the past, in the hidden history of Transformers on Earth. Thank you. That was wonderful. Lovely. Mm. All right. So, uh, Brayden, what the? What did you think of this piece of shit <laughs> movie? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't. I, I concur. Piece of shit. I mean, what more can you say about it? I mean, since the first film, which was actually uh, kind of fun, it's just been just a downhill slog. Every film seems to... Oddly enough, this one bucked a trend, but it seems that every 15 minutes added onto the film, it it goes down another 10 percentage in terms of, you know, quantity. If you're looking at it like 100%, 90%, it just seems to go down every time they tack on 15 minutes. Oddly, this film was shorter, but also worse. Yeah. Yeah, it was just... It it felt longer. It It felt much longer. Yeah, it was certainly... A fair chunk of out of out of my day, and I, you know, a complete waste of time. Yeah, uh, that colonoscopy I mentioned earlier would have been. You wish you could have done that yeah, instead. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so for me, like, so now there's nothing wrong with liking dumb blockbusters. Like that's you know I like a lot of dumb blockbusters. That's yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. But there's this f- film reaches a new level. Yeah. Like it is to the point of being so needlessly dumb and lazy that it's like. Uh, like incomprehensibly terrible. Yeah. It, 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 you just—it's hard to even process how much it. He just throws a thousand ideas at you at once, mixed with terrible dialogue, uh, just bad performances. It looks terrible for one thing. Right. That like the visuals. Like sometimes Michael Bay can create like a an interesting visual style with slow motion and oh, I mean, and there's plenty of slow motion in this mm-hmm. as always, but it's just it. Visually, it's terrible, I think. Most of the slow motion involving Laura Haddock, I think, is... is mm, you know. yeah. Oh, uh, for one thing, so she, Laura Haddock, who I haven't... I don't think I've seen anything else. No. Um, is she like a Megan Fox lookalike doppelganger? Well, that was that was a funny thing I was going to say. Is, is It seemed like there's so much crap thrown together. It's like Frankenstein's monster, the mm-hmm. movie. Because I'm watching this, and then you get that horrible Guy Ritchie, King Arthur piece of shit. Yeah. That was at the beginning of the summer. Uh, so not only do you get do you get robots, but then you get King Arthur, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and <laughs> and yeah. then and then and then you get Tomb Raider because there's a proper British lady who's running around with giant robots now, mm-hmm. and so you get two. And it's it's like Frankenstein's monster, the film. Yeah, it was like Michael Bay decided he's going to take a lot of out outtake footage from other shitty films and splice it all together. And make, like, uber shitty film. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like, and I'll say the first couple of minutes, I was really enjoying myself. Like, it was this very dark, intense medieval fight, and I love history, and so I was a sucker for that. But then Stanley Tucci, just yeah. god awful. Stanley Tucci comes in playing the wizard Merlin, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And if for listeners who don't know, in the fourth movie which was Age of Extinction, he plays a modern-day character, and he was actually semi-entertaining in that, just because he, I feel like he knew it was bad. And in this, it, it's, the writing well, is terrible, it's, it's not just not at all, it's not funny, no. it's, 
like they make him out to be this big drunk who uh, is about to go save everybody, I guess, and then yeah, he he he's just sort of a, a drunken womanizer. He's an absolute just low life scum liar, mm-hmm. and somehow he he happens across ancient transformers, and then he makes this impassioned plea to them, and somehow they decide this drunken womanizing piece of crap is worthy of yeah transformer technology so they bestow it upon him and he goes and saves Kara. I mean it's 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 I don't you know it's it's no difficult words. to put into words because it's so mind-bogglingly bad bad yeah and dumb and dumb and like Michael Bay has the sense of like I mean I'll get into his humor in just a second but he has like the mindset of like a 12 year old he can put a movie together mm-hmm. but he does it in such a way that and he seems so when you see him in the interviews and with all these movies he's doing like he seems like he's he cares about it but oh, then it just doesn't show at all in what the movie he well makes. see that's the thing is it's he's impassioned and, and it's like giving a five-year-old several hundreds of millions of dollars worth of budget to make mm-hmm. robot movies yeah uh because if you ever listen to him speak i mean he's thoroughly inarticulate but uh even that aside it's 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 he's got all these grand visions but the problem is it's too much yeah. You know, pare it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that was a lot of the issue that I had with the film is setting aside the mythology thing, the, the Arthurian mythology thing, which yeah. I'll, I'll get I'll get back to that eventually. Right. But but the film starts off and I actually thought it was it was interesting when it started off because here you've got the Kate Yeager, the Mark Wahlberg character, and here's he's running around trying to provide refuge and assistance to these Autobots who are hiding out from this angry uh, global security force that's tracking them down mm-hmm. and destroying them. And he happens across um, a young Hispanic teenage girl who um, one of the first times a female was sort of given character and not mm-hmm. treated as sort of an object, yeah. sort of sexy I- time fun lady you and know. that's actually that's Isabel Monaire I think her name is and she was I thought she, her she was decent actually her yeah. performance but just the writing is not very good well I thought well see that's the thing is I I, I I was hoping to see more of the relationship because you know okay his daughter's off of college and now he's got this other sort of surrogate daughter mm-hmm. and she lost her parents and so I thought you know okay obviously this isn't a human interest film it's a big robots fighting film yeah but at least they could have some sort of human bonding you know friendship kind of thing and then their rela- the relationship between the two of them and uh, the Autobots and I thought that would be interesting but then what is it 15-20 minutes and then she's completely out of the film and all of a sudden mm, it's yeah. Anthony Hopkins and sexy time fun lady <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and her and her as Mark Wahlberg puts it stripper dress yeah so. Um, oh yeah so that's the thing so Michael Bay his if his humor wasn't so present in his movies it wouldn't be that bad of an issue for me but i think he has some the worst sense of humor of any hollywood director out there like it's all it feels so sexist and it's it's always stems from or starts with characters degrading others and so like the rich people they're gonna make fun of poor people because they have more money or mark Wahlberg in this movie tries to um make fun of uh uh, Laura Haddock's education because right. she has like a I think a, I guess a doctorate in history mm-hmm. uh, something like From that Oxford, and yeah. so the way he thinks he can charm her is by just 
making fun of like, oh, your education isn't important. That's, I, I'm an inventor. I'm cool. <laughs> yeah, well, see, that's the thing that gets me is like the sexual dynamics between the two of them. It's like five-year-olds on a playground. Mm-hmm. I hate you. No, I hate you. You're a stupid poo-poo head. You're, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then and then they eat some sushi and they're supposed to fall in love or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's such a puerile way to approach human relationships. And so that's the thing is I was hoping there would be something a little more complex or sophisticated in terms of of the relationship between the young Isabella character and Kate Yeager and, you know, mm-hmm. the two of them and their sympathy for the Autobots and they, they get along and she seems sort of like a tough as nails, taught herself all this stuff and, you know, um, and then nothing, nothing happened with it. She mm-hmm. drops out of the film for pretty much the entire center of the film. So she's there at the very beginning for about 20, 30 minutes and then she's gone for an hour yeah. or more. And then she sort of pops in again later in the film, sort kind of. of. And there's a, the awful scene we were talking about uh, yesterday where they're on, they're so they take over a submarine. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, how they do submarine chases. <laughs> um, it's it's it ridiculous. Um, so they well somehow they get a submarine off of a I guess a memorial site or something, mm-hmm. and then they launch it into the ocean. Yeah, it was the British <laughs> Naval History Museum. Um, or I something. guess the uh, the tr- the mini transformer that they're with can operate it. I guess he's super smart or something. Yeah, it which doesn't make. Don't even get me started on that character. Fucking brutal. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was it was terrible. Uh-huh. I mean the whole the Cogman character. I wasn't quite sure what he was supposed to be. I mean he starts off as sort of a prissy prim British butler type, and then he turns into this like angry not Jekyll and Hyde two faced and he's choking out Cade Yeager and it, it's it's all very strange yeah and uh, the only to- the only moment of levity in the film the only time that I actually got a had a bit of a chuckle was the interplay between Anthony Hopkins and the weird Cogman character yeah uh, the little bit where he's talking about the Arthurian legend and Cogman's, you know, on the organ. And oh, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. That was yeah. a little fun. It was decent. It was semi-laughable. Yeah, it was, it was a little fun. But then after that, then it goes back into the slog fest, which is Michael Bay and his <laughs> highly saturated visual effects. And it's like, yeah, the, so his tone in all his movies is all over the place. Like, mm-hmm. he'll take the plot and the characters very, very seriously. Then he just injects that, you know, the bad humor with the the love interest and and everything and it just completely ruins any yeah effect to ha- have things sink in you know I will say this is the first film this could possibly be the first film in the Transformers fr- franchise where there's more class stereotypes instead of racial stereotypes yeah instead of having like horribly racially stereotyped robots running around he just has uh, these sort of classist kind of dynamics, you mm-hmm. know, the, the prissy upper class, which is just as bad, and the the rough and tumble self taught American self starter guy. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I mean, it's blech. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, exactly. Stay, don't 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 go there. Get get out of that. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, but so I mean, there's in the fourth one. I guess it starts. There's the um, Irish, the very typical stereotypical Irish transformer, mm-hmm. and then the in the fourth one there's and in this one there's the stereotypical or very typical like cliche Japanese yeah the guy. Japanese bushido warrior yeah. samurai Ooh. and then there's the John Goodman transformer that who has a beard 
Yeah. And a cigar. And he's supposed to be here. He is supposed to have a big gut, and I guess yeah. he's sort of like G.I. Joe, yeah. Sergeant, burly guy or something. Mm-hmm. And did you notice Steve Buscemi was a voice? Yes, Day Trader. Actually, I, I didn't mind him, but he should, like, those kind of goofy characters could work, but then the, he, he's gone after five minutes. Yeah, which I don't understand. Is I mean, that seemed like a wholly innovative character, but then, then poof, gone, right? Mm-hmm. And it's back to this sort of sleek, stylized uh, uh, Transformers that sort of dominate the films. But the things, they're not even in this movie that much. Well, that's the thing that, that killed me, is, is the, first, the first films, right? The, particularly the first one. It's, it's actually kind of fun because you see the bond forming between the human character, the Shia LaBeouf character, and the Transformers. And I'd say that's very much like a... Because Spielberg is an executive producer mm-hmm. on all these movies, which is baffling. And I mean, I know, yeah, I'm right. sure he just does money, because yeah. he, then he gets a ton of money back, so that's right. not, I don't judge him for that. But um, I think since he always has that paternal child relationship in all his movies, I think that first one in particular feels slightly Spielbergian, because, yeah, but anyway, go on. Oh, no, I was, and that's the thing, is, is, is it's interesting to see these. Oh, shit, sorry, we got a, a customer... Uh, coming up to the window and knocking on the door. We're good, though. Um, the earlier films are all... All right, sorry about that. We had a a, a gentleman coming to knock on the door of the Chelsea Theater uh, complaining that it wasn't open, even though we don't have uh, matinees on Tuesdays. On so, uh, anyways, uh, Brayden, what were you saying? Oh, but uh, the earlier films, was it was what made them somewhat interesting, relatable, worth watching is, is the, the bond, the relationship forming between these human, these human characters and mm-hmm. uh, the, the robots. And I mean, the, the love interest stuff, I mean, that could just completely be thrown. Who cares? Yeah. I don't care. I want to see, you know, this relationship between, you know, these, these alien robots and the people who, who are trying to sort of wrap their minds around, Yeah, you know, and um, so that's what made the first few films interesting. That was not even present in this no, film. No. I mean, the robots felt, and I mean, it, it, it very obviously were servile to the humans in this. Uh, I mean, you look at you look at the Coglin character again, who's just a train wreck of a character, mm-hmm. but um, who just for I guess centuries has served this ancient family of blah blah Anthony Hopkins ancestors and so forth. And there's no there's no Bonds forming. There's no relationship forming between the people and. No, they're they're just the characters with each other. They're not. Yeah. T- t- together, quote unquote, you know. And and so that's the thing is is there's no relationships that really at all worth looking at in the film. Is the relationships between people and the robots completely absent? The relationships between um, the young Isabella character and Kate Yeager could be fascinating drops out of the film mm-hmm. and then then the love interesting comes in and again it's 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 so overshadowed by the fact that it relies on these these really sort of banal class yeah. stereotypes mm-hmm. um do you do you think his producers like it i, I feel like although i know they've he's made him a lot of money do you think they just watch this and they're like god this is really bad or they're like you do what you want to do, Michael Bay. We know you're going to make a bunch of money. Although this one actually isn't doing that 
Yeah, the opening was pretty small from um, what I hear. But it's, what, 47 million or something, something like that? Something like that, yeah, domestically. I'm sure it'll do a ton in China like yeah. it did la with the last one, but I feel like they should at least say something, like five films in now, and they're like, let's take some of this out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, um, and I remember reading something. Uh, Mark Wahlberg seemed to be... He didn't say, yeah, I'm so glad to finally be done with this, but he, he, he intimated, he said something mm -hmm. along he the lines. He was like, I, I think he said, I can... Uh, I get my life back. You can get now. my life back, exactly. So, yeah. so um, um, I wonder if he gets paid commensurate with just how awful the film is. Probably. I'm sure he's getting a ton, he got a ton of royalties from Age of Extinction. Yeah. Because that made a, a billion, I think. Yeah. So, just they, they fucking make, ridiculous. They make boatloads of cash. Yeah. They make boatloads um, of cash. But. And, yeah, but like the, in terms of the editing, this was so horribly, even more than usual with Michael Bay, terribly edited and directed. Like mm -hmm. there would be scenes, it would just cut right out in the middle 20 minutes go by, then it cuts back to that same scene, like the scene with the Medusa space space creature, you know who I'm talking oh, about? Oh, Quintessa. Like the, the, they had a, she had a conversation with uh, Optimus Prime 20 minutes go by or so, then it just cuts back to that same scene and they're just still talking. And it's just like these things jump from one thing to another, no pace, no, it's just incoherent. And, well, that's what got me about the, the sort of the big battle scene at the beginning of the film. Was that the medieval the, uh, one? Not the medieval one. The one where the TRF... I mean, and the plot gets so convoluted. Oh, yeah. It gets so convoluted. Very, very. So this TRF force, which is, I guess, Transformer Reconnaissance Force, is the, the, the force which is tasked with hunting down and destroying Transformers across the planet. Mm -hmm. These TRF guys, uh, they don't know where the Transformers are. And then they do know where the Transformers are. And then they decide they're going to put together, uh, they're going to give Megatron all these bad, evil Decepticons that he wants, and then they're going to give him the location of the Autobots to go, to go hunt him down. And then the, the TRF guys can use this to get hold of Cade Yeager in this ancient piece of technology that he somehow has happened across. Mm -hmm. And so it gets, it gets so convoluted. Right, this plot gets so convoluted, and they go through this whole thing. It's 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 like the Dirty Dozen when he's assembling his team. Mm -hmm. He's like Megatron says, "I want this guy," and oh, okay, well we'll release him. Yeah. I want this guy. Well, we, he's too bad. We can't release him. And then and then the, so they make this. The funny thing about it is they make this whole big deal about these these evil Decepticons and how horrible these guys are. Mm -hmm. Ooh, big scary war criminals, and then they show up, and most of them get killed in a few seconds. Yeah, it's. Just it's it, uh, okay. just no one. It just no one feels invested in it. It's just yeah. yeah. Well, go, go on. Yeah. No, but the 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 fight scene I was talking about is the one right after they release the Decepticons and they go to is that like on the streets. Or yeah, something? it's in that abandoned town. Yeah, and incoherent. Absolutely incoherent. Yeah, scene. what was going on? I don't know. Because you've got know. the robots out in the street fighting, and then you've got drones flying after Kate Yeager and Isabella, and and. Uh, I don't even know who that other guy was. Who was the, he? Which one? Uh, the young fellow with the glasses. Oh, I don't know. I, I can't tell you. I mean, <laughs> there. yeah, this this character shows up. No one, you, you just couldn't give less of a fuck about anyone in yeah. this. You know, I mean, you just, don't feel at all invested. Like, in cut, either give them something to do or cut them out. Yeah. You know? And John Turturro, who was in the first three, just first pops four. up. First Oh, he was in the fourth He was in the... Oh, God. Um, yeah. He just comes back randomly, serves no purpose, 
He's hanging out in Cuba drinking mojitos. Yeah, you could cut that character out. Yeah. You could I think even John Malkovich shows up very there's there's like one scene that looked at very much like John Malkovich, just so they could give him a like a look you know, John Malkovich again. Yeah. Okay. Um and it's just all these characters who serve no purpose. They're mm-hmm. boring, they're um unlikable and annoying. That's the thing. Michael Bay characters are annoying. That's really the only thing that makes them somewhat memorable, yeah. usually. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's 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 pretty bad. Yeah, and there's and one thing in terms of his direction, there's there's no sense of geography. I mean, this goes with the in, being incoherent, but there's it. I can never tell where anyone is, especially in that last climactic fight, which is so kind of spectacle driven. Like Michael Bay, he just wants to make a spectacle, yeah. make it feel epic, and it's so beyond being able to process what you're seeing, these huge spaceships mm-hmm. going all around, these soldiers on the ground trying to fight it. Uh, and they go to Stonehenge also. Um, and it's... Uh... <laughs> all right. Movie all right. theaters. We promise we're not peeing. <laughs> That's really not the bathroom. That's the ice machine drainage. Promise, cross my fingers. All right. Um, so, yeah, but, well, listeners, we hope, uh, we, oh, we apologize for any uh, issues here. We're, you know, we're get, getting started, so we really apologize. But anyways, let's go on. First and last time recording the Chelsea Theater, probably. Yeah. But, um, yeah, then they, go, then they go down in the sub, and then they find the wrecked alien spaceship. Where the hell is the wrecked alien spaceship? Who the hell knows? Mm-mm, okay, know. right? And then... Um, so you've got the wrecked alien spaceship, and then the wrecked alien spaceship comes up, and Optimus Prime is all angry and brainwashed. And, uh, but yeah, you've got this massive alien ship, and it's underwater somewhere, and you don't know where. And then the TRF guys show up. Who, where the hell were they this whole time? All of a sudden, they've got this massive operation, and they're following the submarine down, and they've got deep-sea vehicles. And uh, Michael Bay loves his jargon. He only ever refers to things with, like, three-letter terms. I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. Um, yes, that's the secret military force. Right. The TRF, like and they all ride around in DSVs. And, and, and they've it, got, <laughs> at the end, they all take off their badge. Yeah. Like, no, we're, we're good now. And we're good now. We're we, cool. like, we like the Transformers. <laughs> Um, yeah. it's, 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 you're, you never quite follow what's going on. Not at all. You can never quite follow what's going on. And, I mean, that, that fight scene at the beginning of the film, there are just these massive gaps in time mm-hmm. and location. And it's there, there somewhere in, where was it, South Dakota, the Badlands, and where is that, South Dakota, North Dakota? One Sometimes, of yes. And then they're driving along, and they're in some rundown city, and it's just, it's, then they're having a massive battle in the rundown city, and it's just an absolute, you never know where all these guys came from, what they're doing. The Decepticons are there. The TRF is there. There's a bunch of drones. And Josh Duhamel is standing around looking stubbly. I mean, that's, that's you know, yeah. who, is, who is he? What is his character? And why don't, is he in all the films anyways? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, yeah, so it's, uh, I mean, I guess, yeah, we can get close to wrapping this up. But it's it's definitely, you know, Worst movie, I think this and Rough Night are probably the two worst movies of the year. I'd say this is probably the worst of the uh, franchise. I mean, two is, I guess, is known for being the worst. But I would rather watch the fourth one, which was 165 fucking minutes. Yeah. 
um, than rather than this. Even at least that was to the point of being dumb where it was kind of charming at times. Yeah. But then this one is so un. It's not memorable. It's not funny. It's so dumb that it's just, it's annoying. And yeah, it's. Well, that's the thing is, Age of Extinction. At least you get to get your fanboy geek on Uh with uh, Optimus Prime riding around on giant dinosaur robots. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, true, true. Yeah. And this one, you don't get anything like that. Uh, You get the, you get the 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 Mecha Ghidra giant three headed robot dragon at the beginning of the film, which Mm. is you know kind of fun. That was cool. And then that disappears. You don't yep. you don't see it anymore. Nope. Where the hell did that go? Just a little teaser from Bay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was it's too scattered of a film, and it's all over the place, and it's just borrowing tropes from every other. It's it's mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just a horrible train wreck of a film. There's no interesting relationships to become invested in. There's no real the 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 confrontation, I guess centers on Quintessa poisoning Optimus Prime and he comes back to suck all the life force out of Yeah, I didn't Earth follow that at all. To, re, to restart Cybertron. Mm-hmm. What was all of that? I don't know. I, mean, I, see, I, I couldn't care less about it. I, just, I couldn't follow it. I didn't know what was going on. So Yeah, and then there's that plot and then there's the TRF hunting down the, the Transformers plot and then there's the, the love interest, Kate Yeager and, and British Lady plot mm-hmm. and I mean too much going on yeah not enough fleshed out to actually pull the viewer into it it's mostly just just a, a vehicle for lots and lots of special effects yeah and there's a couple of sh- very short things um, but like so they mention they bring up the term BBW in this because uh, there are these aristocratic very fancy classy women mm-hmm. and just because Michael Bay is just such a funny guy he feels the need to make them like be have these weird sex-driven dreams, and yeah. tries to get their the the love interest of Mark Wahlberg to you know find a guy who has a dungeon, and they bring up the BBW term, which is just gross and unnecessary. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's and then there's you know lines like where Bumblebee stabs someone, and he's like stings like a bee, and it's just stuff like that is, you know, we well we don't need to get into it too much, but um. So, but even though this one is, I guess, isn't doing as well as the others, they are doing a cinematic universe, quote unquote, of really? Transformers slash Hasbro movies. And so, um, there's going to be one a year now. So next year we're getting the Bumblebee spinoff, which is a prequel apparently to the first one. Oh, but it's being cool. directed by Travis Knight, who is the CEO of Leica. You know, and he also directed Kubo and the Two Strings. Oh, yeah. Leica. Okay. Yeah. Really. And so I was just like, oh, okay. Because that, I think Bay is a producer on it, like an executive producer. Mm-hmm. But so he's directing it, and then they have a different writer as well. But they've hired this huge writer's room to craft out all these movies. I actually have some of them here, some uh, place. But so the guys who wrote this one was Art Markham, Matt Holloway, and Ken Nolan. Two of them wrote the first Iron Man, and then Nolan wrote Black Hawk Down. And then some of the other ones, a lot of these people are new writers. And so there's... Well, my, my question is, how do you go from writing something like Iron Man, which the first film was exactly. quite good. To doing this And then Black Hawk Down, which is a brilliant awesome. film. Awesome. It's mm-hmm. just it's just a remarkable film. Yeah. To writing this 
train wreck of of of. I mean, it's it's just it's just garbage. Yeah. I mean, the story is just all over the place. It's all it's almost like they took all these writers and instead of having them work collaboratively, they locked them all in different rooms, and said. Here's here's fifty pages of paper. Write something, mm-hmm. and then the guys wrote different scripts, and then they just sort of stapled them together. And they threw all the pages up in the air, and then took them in that order and stapled them together. And there's there's mm-hmm. the script. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and they're doing the, like the same thing for sh- the sh- uh, Sherlock Holmes sequel. They're, they have like a bunch of writers for that. Then right. they've hired the writers for the um, the like the Godzilla. King Kong universe, oh, yeah. um, you know they have a huge writers room for that, and it's just like this is the new thing. And even though a lot, ha, some of them have no experience, like hey, I mean I'm sure as a writer that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like hey, I haven't done anything or like I've done an indie script, and now I have six projects that I get to be a part of. That'd right. be fucking awesome. Yeah. But in terms of the quality of the movies, that's not always the best choice. Yeah. Um, and oh, and they're doing that for the same thing with the the Mummy and the Invisible Man. I think they have a bunch of kind of interconnected writers who are all crafting those but right so yeah this so is, i mean that's a, that's another one is the mummy is supposed to be kicking off the monster film mm-hmm. the universal monster film that's a horrible i mean i haven't had the opportunity to see it yet then again it's not i probably good. don't want to see it it's but not it's not as bad as this for sure it's yeah. semi-watchable but it's nothing that good uh, yeah but i've heard it's it's a pretty bad piece of that's not a good way to start a film franchise not at so all. obviously need to revisit that yeah it's it's just a Absolute disappointment, and, I, and Bay says he's done with Transformers, which I kind of I'm hope he is, but yeah. It's, I guess other than a producer capacity for the spinoff films, yeah. which now again spinoff why? films, why? Why we don't need it? <laughs> we really don't. You know what? The only thing that might interest me is if they did, if this is a whole Hasbro thing, hybridizing Battleship with Transformers, and mm. we get giant. Transforming battleships. I mean, that yeah. would be fun. I mean, come on, massive transforming battleships. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, but all right, well, let's wrap this puppy up. Um, I guess we can, you know, rate this out of four stars like we did the first uh, in the first episode. So, Brave, what are you going to give this thing? I don't know. I wouldn't give it an absolute zero. The special effects are still sort of dazzling every now and again. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few bits that made me laugh. I'd probably get it maybe a half a star, three quarters of a star, if I can go that low. If I can go below a yeah. full star, I'll I'll just go just go one. Um, I mean, I don't. It was yeah, it was bad. Um, there were there were a few semi redeeming moments in the film. Um, again, you know, Cade's relationship with the with the young uh, Isabella character. I thought I liked her character a lot, and I thought that was going to be interesting. Of course, it fell out of the film, and that mm-hmm. ruined a lot of it. And the special effects in a Michael Bay film are obviously very special. Plus, you know, I get more than my quotient of, of explosions. So oh, of course. That's the best part. Michael Bay explosions. <laughs> but, um, not as much product placement in this, though. Eh, not as much, right? Did Was was there? It's not as much. I, I, I guess I just there wasn't, like, as much as the fourth one anyways. So, anyways. I... What is it? I mean, honestly, I... Usually I, I catch those things, but I don't know if I even saw any product. There was, there was a couple, but not much. Oh, huh. Yeah. I should have paid closer attention. Oh, yeah. You missed out. But, um, I mean, for the special effects and for moments, hints at something deeper than, than purely noise and explosions and swords and lasers, um, I'll give it a, a, a half, three quarters of a star. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Uh, I'll just go one, light one. Um, 
it's it's very bad and I I mean it's not the worst movie I've ever seen I don't know if I'd rather watch this or Rough Night probably Rough Night just because it's an hour shorter yeah <laughs> um, but yeah so um, alright well hope you enjoyed that one um, and we're going to be talking about a much better movie now mm-hmm. um, we're going to be talking about Guillermo del Toro's Pacific Rim uh, from 2013 so we've got a tip a clip again I messed it up that's number two tips and clips yeah tips and clips Uh, let's take a listen I need a pilot I'm guessing that wasn't your first choice but I'm a big believer in second chances Pacific Rim is directed by uh, Guillermo del Toro, stars Charlie Hunnam, Idris Elba, Charlie Day, Rico Kikuchi, uh, amongst a few others. And Brayden, you got that plot synopsis for us. Yeah, here IMDb, it says, As a war between humankind and monstrous sea creatures wages on, a former pilot and a trainee are paired up to drive a seemingly obsolete special weapon in a desperate effort to save the world from the apocalypse. All right. Uh, so the first thing I wanted to bring up, and mostly just because this is a quote-unquote retro review, is that on paper these movies are basically alike, or it's, you know someone not knowing what either one was and just read a plot synopsis. They're like, oh, okay, th- these are the same movie. Giant robot. Pretty much. Ones. Yeah. Um, but it's it's vastly superior. It's directed better. Like Guillermo del Toro's direction is way more interesting, way more fun. Um, visuals are it's very colorful, which compared to Transformers: The Last Night. You know, it's great because Transformers is very washed out and dull looking, whereas this is very feels very inspired, um, and all the designs of the Jaegers, like Cade Jaeger from Transformers, that's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, Spelled uh, differently, but yeah, um, it, it just feels very inspired. the The robots are great. The monsters are interesting, um, and like even in terms of being coherent, there's a a scene at the at the opening where they're fighting. Um, some monsters in the ocean at night and it's raining and it looks fantastic. You can tell exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. Geography is great. And just even small touches like that is so much better than how Michael Bay would do it, I think. Yeah. Well, again, so much of the editing with the big the big fights was disastrous. You never had any, any concept of place, where are these guys fighting, what's going on. Which is interesting because, you know, you had the whole Chicago, the big battle in Chicago confrontation, which was, what, the third film? The, the third yeah, film? Yeah, third, third, yeah. And then the fourth one you had also, again, a sense of place because here they are fighting in Hong Kong. The fifth film, last night, it's just, you're completely lost. You mm-hmm. don't know what's going on. Yeah. Other than all of a sudden they're at Stonehenge and you go, okay, it's Stonehenge. But before that, it could be anywhere, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah. There's water. There's some buildings. And why St- Stonehenge? It's like, oh, wouldn't it be so cool to have something at Stonehenge? Robots at Stonehenge. Yeah, connected mythology. Ooh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's. I think it, it's. You know, I mean, it's because he write or he doesn't write because he doesn't write the movies, but he's he's self aware that his movie is cliched. You know, there's like the kind of the gung ho soldiers. You know, there's very archetypal characters that, you know, there's nothing brilliant, but in terms of how he does it, it's interesting and fun. And then also the performances are pretty decent. Like Idris Elba, who's Elijah awesome. Idris Elba, who's amazing. From Luther yeah. and uh, 
what else? I'm well, he did Beast of No Nation. Beast of No Nation, yeah. But then, um, um, I mean, in terms of his other his other acting credits. Uh, oh, J- Jungle Book. He did the voice of Jungle Book. Yeah, yeah, he was what Heimdall in the Thor series. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's still yeah, he's still doing that. Um, so, which I wish there was more of him in that. Mm-hmm. And um, what I'm really looking forward to seeing him in is Roll in the Shane in the upcoming Dark Tower. Oh yeah, films. that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's the big one that's coming up. So I was really ecstatic about the casting of him in that film because he's, mm-hmm. he's he's spectacular as a yeah. character. And then going against Matthew McConaughey, that's because yeah. he McConaughey is back, and so he's doing good work. Yeah, you know? he's doing good work, and he's playing. Uh, Randall Flagg, Captain Trips. I have read actually the the full Dark Tower series, nice. one of my favorite series by Dark by Stephen King. So, so he plays the the Man in Black character, mm-hmm. Matthew McConaughey, and uh, I mean the the casting, it couldn't it couldn't be better. Idris Elba, Matthew McConaughey, yeah. so good, so mm-hmm. good. So, um, really looking forward to that. But I mean, Idris Elba always fantastic, and mm-hmm. he was. Definitely worth watching in Pacific Rim. Yeah, I mean the acting. Um, Mark Wahlberg, honestly, he's a, he's always good. I, yeah. I do I do enjoy him. I wish he would have better parts. But um, he's he's a good actor. I mean, he's mm-hmm. very solid. All right. He doesn't do anything that much in the Transformer. I mean, he's just a character. No, a I mean, straight he's guy. just well. I mean, again, I think that speaks to the weakness of the writing and the direction, and mm-hmm. not so much the acting. Whereas is Charlie Hunnam in uh, Pacific Rim? He's kind of the same thing, but again, it's just feels more self aware of what they are. Yeah. Um, and I think Charlie Hunnam is interesting. Have you noticed in that movie, or I mean, Pacific Rim, and I guess in some of his other things as well as King Arthur, he has an odd walk. It's like this almost overly macho type of walk. Like he swings, sort of swings his arms really, you know, swaggery type thing. Very defined, and it's just I don't know. It's yeah, it, interesting. Anyways, um, but yeah, so it's uh, one thing uh, that Michael Bay um, can do, but I think he fails mostly. Whereas I think Del Toro succeeds with Pacific Rim is scale, mm-hmm. and there's the shots where like the. Jaegers are walking through the city, yeah. and that just looks amazing. Yeah. It, it's you know, and again, it's from a grounded perspective where you're people up in a building or people up on are on the ground, mm-hmm. and you can just see like a, a, this huge robot just walking through a city street, and you know, barely making it through, and it just looks so good. Yeah, um, and well, it's that's... not it's not overdone. It's just oh, awesome. Yeah, you know? the the fight in uh, in Hong Kong. I mean, it starts out in the bay. And you see these robots. I mean, this is, you know, continental shelf type thing, and they're, you know, waist deep. So obviously you get a sense of scale, how mm-hmm. massive these, these robots are. And then they get into the city, and here are these 60, 60-story skyscrapers, and these robots are digging out these monsters and being slammed into these things. And they're just as tall as these, I don't know, I guess 60-story, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you, 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 get, you definitely get a sense of scale. Yeah. With that versus with versus the transformer stuff where it's you know robots always fighting robots and occasionally you'll see a human scurrying around on them but I mean it's uh, there's so much you never really get a sense of space or time with the Michael Bay films whereas mm-hmm. you get that more with the Guillermo del Toro films yeah so um, it really it really lends itself better to to the, the the massive scale of these of these robots it really makes them feel huge and epic and then the the um the monsters that they're fighting also similarly uh equally huge massive epic yeah yeah um uh, but yeah i think um the what a few 
kind of small criticisms is there's the um, the really the love interest with the uh, I guess her name is Rico Kikuchi. There, there's not much chemistry between her and Charlie Hunnam, and they spend a decent amount of time on that. It yeah. just there's I mean, but you can't do much about that if there's no chemistry. But well, even so, I mean, you know, it feels there's sort of a love interesty kind of thing there, but at the same time they don't throw it in your face and they don't treat it as uh, mm-hmm. sort of like a, a playground uh, infatuation kind of thing the way that Michael Bay seems to, to treat all of the relationships in his right. Um You've got these two people who are sort of uncertain of one another at odds, plus it never fully f- f- sort of explodes into a full-on love interesty relationship. You can tell that there's something going on there that, that between the two characters, maybe not the actors, but mm. the two characters at least, there's yeah. some chemistry. But the, the the relationship and how that plays out between the two of them isn't, you know, it's not brilliant. But Yeah, it's not brilliant, but it's it's it's, it's a wild. damn sight better than, than <laughs> how it's treated in, in The Last Night. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. Um, it's And uh, the it's just a few small things. The score is pretty good. It's yeah. by that Ramin, Ramin Dijawadi, who is I think he did the score for Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. He's done like a ton of movies, and he has a very interesting sound. And so it's a, some cool guitars, and like it just you know again like kind of gets you into it. You know, yeah. it's um, and so I do like that a lot. Um, there, I think there's a chunk in the the latter half where kind of there's not much action, and so I think it kind of drags. And so if there's a point where I think I was starting to get a little bored. It would be in that maybe latter half, but otherwise it's very engaging for the most part. Yeah. Goes from action scene to just non-action, but it's still interesting for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, and then the Charlie, there's the Charlie Day character, who I'm not a huge fan of Charlie Day. No. Kinda, he kind of gets on my nerves a little yeah. bit. Um, but I think the character is interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of, fa- fa- again, another cliche, kind of fascinated with these monsters. Yeah. And, um, and, and so then he has the cool tattoos and all that stuff. And so that's, Interesting, even though I don't think Charlie Day is amazing in it. Yeah, um, well, he's the you've got sort of the rebel scientist, the the new agey, you know. Oh, I'm so infatuated with these monsters, and I find them so fascinating. Versus the uh, the what was it, the Gottlieb character, mm. who I guess is more representative of of old old school hard scientific principle kind of. Uh, um, and he's got his data, and he runs his models, and all this kind of stuff, yeah. and so it's it's. Uh, contrapuntal kind of thing between the two of them mm-hmm. uh, and a love-hate relationship and that kind of thing and it is it's very much a cliche it's very much a trope yeah but it's 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 not a harmful trope it's not it's not a stereotype mm-hmm. the way that that all of the Michael Bay characters sort of become stereotypes yeah and, and not, uh, not aware that they're stereotypes they're just stereotypes yeah yeah mm-hmm. they do they they are what they are. They're not trying to portray some kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it just, I mean, the, the characters were much more interesting, much better fleshed out in these films, whereas in the Michael B, you know, even even if they are comic book, comic book tropes, even if they are sort of uh, cliches, they're done, they're handled in, in a way, and I mean, the film, again, is sort of self-aware of what it is. It's just a, a robot film based on comic book um, which is fine and uh, the Michael Bay the Transformer films he keeps trying to elevate them into sort of this modern mythology yeah. and I mean none of these films he has he done that more so than this last one where he obviously is bluntly um, 
tying it into, in a very awkward fashion, the Arthurian legend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not tied in at all well. It's just and kind of put there, you know? Yeah, it's it's like a it's like a bad splice. It's just sort of slam and like smash them together. And I just feel like he just thinks, oh, that would be so cool yeah. to do that. Let's do it. And pr producer's like, oh, sure, sure, Michael. Whatever you want, Michael. <laughs> sure, here's, buddy. Here's some money. Yeah, Make it happen. Here's a glass of milk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and some cookies. And some cookies. <laughs> yeah, and, and so, yeah, it's... Um, and I guess uh, we should say that it's this Pacific Rim, it wasn't that... It was kind of a... My, uh, somewhat of a box office flop. Um, I mean, it made a couple hundred million, but the budget was obviously quite high. I think it was cr pretty well received critically. Um, it was. It was definitely better received critically than than some of these other films. And again, I think because that that self awareness of what it is. It's mm -hmm. just. It's just. It's. It's a robot film. It's got some characters. There is some some character development, but it's. It doesn't. It doesn't try to overshadow. Yeah. The. Uh, the sort of robot fighty aspect of it, and yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't try to transcend its robot fighty nature to become some sort of modern mythologizing, which is what Michael Bay is trying to do, but fails. And it's just, Badly. it just turns. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's. I mean, come on, <laughs> come it's on, a, it's a, it's come a on. film, it's a film property based on toys. These are toys yeah. I played with as a kid. They'll never be anything more than toys. Yeah, and so don't, don't, don't. Don't turn it into modern mythology. They're just—it's fun. It's supposed to be fun, mm -hmm. and then he turns it into these a giant, dark. yeah, massive plodding dark mm. robots fighting for their lives against you know. Mm, no, I mean just go and have some fun, and they mm -hmm. duke it out. And I mean the first, the first film was like that. Yeah. And then it kept the the longer he's taken it serious, the more he's gone into this sort of modern transformer mythology thing, and it's just don't. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. It's, it's preposterous. Um, and this, yeah, it's just like a few kind of visual shots. There's, because after the, the fight at the beginning in the ocean, so that one of the robots is injured or injured and something goes wrong, and there's this shot in the snow mm -hmm. where you see this guy and his, I guess his dog or his son or some someone, and this massive robot just yeah. kind of comes through the fog yeah. and then smashes down on the ground in the snow, and it looks awesome. Um, and then there are a few other destruction scenes, like where the one of the monsters slams on a bridge. I think yeah. it's near, maybe near the beginning as well. And just shots like that, it's. I think was that the flashback to the fight in Sydney. I, it must have been, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it kind of reminds me of Godzilla a little bit, the Gareth yeah. Edwards one, where you you do really get that sense of scale because it is right. so grounded in in human perspective, I guess. Right. Um, and so they are doing a sequel. To this coming mm -hmm. out next year called I guess it's Pacific Rim Uprising yeah um, and it has John Boyega from Star Wars The Force Star Awakens Wars, right. and but it's being directed by uh, the Daredevil showrunner uh, Stephen DeKnight I think is and it's only being produced by Del Toro yeah. so I don't know how different that's going to be do you know who's writing it I think it's had a couple of rewrites actually has it okay so I'm not Del Toro going. actually had a co-writing credit for that first one yeah um, um, and if he's only involved in a producer capacity, uh, I mean, it could still end up good, mm -hmm. but then again, part of why, part of that self-awareness of what it is, you know, giant robot yeah. fighting film, comes from Del Toro and his, you know, his, his working so, so closely with, with fantasy and science fiction, those kinds of things, and yeah. the way that he's able to, to 
weave that into his films without it, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in such a way that it doesn't it doesn't seem hokey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Know? So, um, which is you know the nice thing about Pacific Rim is it, it avoids being hokey because again, it's stuff like it knows what it is. Mm -hmm. And Del Toro knows what it is, and he doesn't try to take it beyond that. And, yeah. and when some a film tries to make itself something that it's not, that's when it becomes hokey, a la Michael Bay films. Mm -hmm. So, um, a la that horrible battleship thing. <laughs> oh, what, what was that? Wait, the, the pa battleship movie? The battleship P movie. Peter Berg, yeah. Starring Rihanna. And, and oh, jeez, no. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I, I don't mind... Kitch, Tyler Kitch. Yeah. Um, I don't mind... Uh, Peter Berg's some of his movies like Lone Survivor, Patriot's Day, Lone Deepwater Horizon. Yeah, Lone Survivor is spectacular. But I, I think he just he was like all because he kind of wants to be Michael Bay. It, he kind of has the similar shots, but he's just a little more grounded. Yeah. So usually it works because yeah. he takes kind of the tidbits from Michael Bay, some of the cliches, and then mm -hmm. uses them in his own way, and that's interesting. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. It's that's what that's what's so awesome about Lone Survivor is rather than you know. Uh, SEAL Team 6 out in the woods in Afghanistan and, and mm. then lots of explosions. No, I mean, he keeps it as realistic and gritty. There's gunfire, somebody's shot, bam, that's it, they're dead. It's not like they're shot and then a gas tank explodes. Yeah. That's not how human anatomy works. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I, I think his films are, are considerably more grounded. Yeah, than, and the, the, the sound in his movies are always very good. Well, like, I mean, he, like the gunshots in Lone Survivor, the... You know when there's explosions and gunfights in Patriots Day, and then right. Deepwater Horizon, all the sounds of the the oil rig exploding right. and the, all the gears and pipes and everything. That all sounds fantastic, more than I think it, other directors right. would do. You know, he exactly. makes a point of making it good. So, um, yeah, um, but yeah. So I mean, Pacific Rim is just getting back to it. I mean, it's just a it's a fun movie. It's definitely underrated, I would say, mm -hmm. compared to a lot of other movies out there in terms of, or blockbusters at least. Um, and it's it's no classic of modern cinema, no. not by any not by any means, but but it, it is fun. It's a good popcorn flick. Yes, yeah. it's, it's a well rounded. It doesn't bog you down in two hours and forty five minutes of drab, washed out robot fighting. Um, and honestly, the personality of the, of the Jaegers, of the robots in, in Pacific Rim, even though they're piloted and they don't have they're not independent characters in and of themselves the robots the Jaegers have more character than a lot of the Transformers and, oh definitely you know because then you get and then you get to know the or not know the the pilots of the Jaegers but you kind of get short glimpses of them because right. they're kind of treated like rock stars quote unquote yeah um, and some of them are just again cliches but they're interesting cliches and they're cool cliches yeah um, like these two people like strut off the you know, out of the factory, and they're just like kind of look like badasses. And yeah, well, the, the Russian couple who pilot, yeah, that, that's who pilot Cherno of. Alpha, and then you've got the three, uh, the three the the triplets who pilot the Chinese. Yeah, yeah, mech, definitely. Yeah, and then you've got uh, you've got the Australian guys, the father and the son, the father who's who's you know he's been around the block, he's seen it all, he's very well grounded, and then son who he's trying to sort of keep under wraps, who's like a cocky. Mm -hmm. Little bastard and great pilot, mm -hmm. yeah, but he's he's all the more arrogant for it. Yeah, and, and so it's, you know, they they have sort of distinct personalities, which you you know, and it doesn't it doesn't throw them in your face and then take them away. It sort of sort of says, here's some pilots, here's some distinct personalities, but we're not going to try to build them into the human backstory for all yeah. of this. 
you know, here, here they are, they're fascinating. And we're going to leave it at that. As, and again, as sort of, and as a counterpoint to the Michael Bay films where he throws in characters and says, you know, be, you should become deeply invested in this character. This, mm-hmm. Here's this Isabella character. Isn't she awesome? I'm going to take her out until the last, like, ten minutes. Yeah. And it's also, because it, comparing the tones, so, I mean, Pacific Rim is it's kind of dark at times, but it's, you kind of feel like, okay, the world is ending, yeah. characters kind of need to be serious, but they're, it, the film itself doesn't feel that serious, but what the characters are doing feels... Yeah. Okay, they're treating it realistically. Right. Whereas Michael Bay is just is all over the place, and it, you couldn't care less. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but other than that... Uh, hmm. Yeah, but I am, I am looking forward to the sequel... Um, and, I don't know, Brady, do you have anything else about it? No, I mean, it was it was a fun film. Uh, when I first saw it, I, I, I went in and watched it, and I wasn't, I wasn't overly impressed, because if you've seen one Japanese manga anime robot fighting thing, you've essentially seen Pacific Rim. Yeah. However, in retrospect, as I've watched it a couple of other times since, the, you know, the theatrical release, it's grown on me, because... It is. It is fun. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Uh, you do become somewhat invested in the main characters, but it doesn't. Their backstory doesn't bog you down. It doesn't turn into this this ludicrous human interest thing. Uh, it doesn't smack you in the face with this 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 relationship dynamic, this sexual tension between the Charlie Hunnam and the Rinko Kikuchi characters. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's more lighthearted. Yeah, which is what fine. you want from a film like that is you want something lighthearted that you can actually enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, <laughs> you can actually have fun with. Yeah, you, know? you can actually have fun and, with. And that's weird to say nowadays, but it's true. Yeah. Every blockbuster, even something like Power Rangers, which I just got the 4K of, I'm actually kind of excited <laughs> for that. Um, like, just, you know, Batman v Superman, all, you know, most of the comic book movies, all of them are, we need to make this adult-oriented, serious, we need to bring up, you know, very provocative, complex themes. Right. You need to take it seriously, and it's just, it's not always that fun usually. Occasionally, every once in a while, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But with this, it's just, yeah, go have some fun. And yeah. it's it's not overly long. I think it's like two hours-ish. Yeah. Um, ish. Maybe a little long, but... Um, give or take a little bit. I mean, it's not it's not a two, two and a half hour, two hour, slog. five minute slog fest. <laughs> yeah. Or like Age of Extinction. Mm-hmm. I mean, they called it Age of Extinction because most of the audience Everybody was extinct died. by the end of the yeah. film. So. Mm-hmm. There's actually in the theater for um, the last night, there's a, a couple, or not a couple, of these two like teenage, maybe 20 year old girls sitting in a few rows in front of me. I, near the end, I could tell one girl's eyes were like kind of dropping up and down like so they actually stayed past the Mark Wahlberg bearing his abs bit yeah they weren't there strictly yeah they for stayed that. yeah every, it seemed like everyone stayed but it didn't seem like anyone was enjoying themselves yeah well <laughs> you know unsurprisingly so yeah um, that's, that's a Michael Bay film for you go for the special effects mm-hmm. stay out of lack of anything else better to do yeah um <laughs> yeah uh so um, all right, well, I think we can go ahead and wrap that one up. Uh, what are you going to give that at, four stars, Brady? Out of four stars, I'd give it um, two, two and a half, two. Yeah, a solid two, two and a half. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll go uh, I'll go hard three, maybe light three and a half. I don't know. Maybe Really? Maybe a four out of five on Letterboxd. Oh, for listeners who don't know, if, if you are like a cinephile at all, get a Letterboxd account. Brady, you should get one. Yeah, it's it's free, very easy, very easy to use. Um, 
and you can follow people, uh, what they're watching, what you're watching, do all these fun things. If you're a film person of any kind, definitely get a Letterboxd account. Anyways. Okay. That would um, be something I look into. Then. Yeah, and I, I'm on there, um, you know, so you can follow what we're watching and everything, and so, just so you know. Um, but okay, so... Hope you enjoyed the reviews, and again, sorry for any technical difficulties. We've had a very odd uh, string of loud sounds, fire trucks, all of that. It's very strange. Um, and so anyways, so let's move on to some discussion pieces. Um, and so some of them are just recent news pieces that I thought would be interesting to bring up. But So there's so David Fincher, uh, who's, who, who's my favorite director, and who directed Social Network, Gone Girl... Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Fight Club. Um, the fourth um, Alien film. Third? Fourth. Third. Third. I'm sorry, yeah. Alien, the fourth was Jean-Paul Genet. Alien yeah. Cubed. Alien as Cubed. As it Okay. You know. Um, uh, who is a... You know, he doesn't really do blockbusters per se. I mean, Gone Girl made it... Gone good. Girl was pretty big. Yeah, but yeah. in terms of our... Let's... You know, blockbuster. You know, oh, like a Pacific Rim movie. Yeah, His, yeah. his movies summer, make a lot of money. Summer but, popcorn films. Yeah. yeah. Got, but anyway, so he has been, as far as I know... Hired to direct uh, World War Z two, um, and so which the World War Z is the um, zombie blockbuster with Brad Pitt from a few years ago, um, and it's uh, getting a sequel since it did I think pretty well at the box office. But David Fincher is now um, directing it, which is a very interesting change. Because yeah. um, his next project is he's directing the first two episodes of a Netflix show coming up. But I never really thought he would ever do what you call a summer blockbuster. And yeah. I, I kind of wish he would go back and do like the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo sequel instead. But no. Yeah, I, I would like to see that as well. Um, largely for his direction, uh, because I really love the, the, the English language version that he did. Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, and also, the chemistry between Daniel Craig and Rune Mara mm -hmm. was spectacular. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, I'd like to see him do that. I'm, I'm uncertain what to make of him doing this, because I kind of liked the Alien film that he did. So obviously, did he, 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 he has a bit of experience working with sort of the non-human drama thriller type films. But, I mean, that, that, that Alien film that he directed was, was good, it was interesting, but it wasn't, again, it wasn't, it wasn't that first one that Ridley Scott did. Of course. But, or Aliens. Or Aliens, which, you know... Uh, is the Pacific Rim of the uh, Alien trilogy. Yeah, James, James Cameron. Um, you know, it was a fun, fun action flick. Yeah. Uh, very, very different genre from the first film, but, you know, succeeded, I guess, on its own merits as an action flick. Mm -hmm. But... Um, I love Fincher. I really enjoyed Social Network. I really enjoyed Dragon Tattoo. Uh, I even liked Gone Girl, um, which I don't think was his strongest effort. It, it was his biggest commercial success. Mm. I, I would think so, yeah. But um, compared to Social Network and Dragon Tattoo, I still think... It's below. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but he obviously has the... the Directing chops, and uh, he did a he did a fairly decent job with with Alien Cubed, as you call it. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't uh, zombie zombie flicks. First of all, no more zombie flicks. Mm -hmm. Why? Why all the zombies? I mean, the, so I mean, The Walking Dead kind of both saved and ruined yeah. the zombie movies because then, yeah. like when Walking Dead came out, everybody wanted to do zombies because we can right. make money off it, 
and so we're getting some good ones, some bad ones, but now The Walking Dead has been going on so long, right. and everyone's, it's just been done to death. You're just like, oh, get got, it out of here. They've got a spinoff, too, don't they, Fear the Walking Dead, right? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so now it's just sort of zombies, zombies, zombies. And you don't really care. And, uh, you know, the first film was interesting and fascinating, and why, why do they need to do a second, but then again, that's Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is profitable, let's do another one. Yeah. So... Uh, if they know that a property is going to make money, I guess they stick with it because they know they can make money. And mm-hmm. That's that's kind and, of the bottom line um, of the film industry. So. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure Fincher, because so he dropped out of Steve Jobs, the mm-hmm. Steve Jobs movie that was was going to be with Christian Bale because they wouldn't pay him ten million, and and I, I guess also creative differences, right. which is that's been a recent thing, creative differences, right. like with the Han Solo movie and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, and so my guess is he's getting a huge fucking paycheck for this thing yeah I, I mean I'm sure the budget is going to be massive but I'm sure he's not he's probably going to be getting because I don't think he would get onto this unless he had control right you know in one way or the other and yeah. so that's what I, I'm hoping that's a good thing mm-hmm. I mean because his direction I guess if you haven't seen many of his movies it's very cynical stories and characters and it's very def- his direction is very defined and it's well, like Kubrickian, in a way. Yeah. Um, well, what 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 I like so much about his films is is they're all sort of about dysfunctional people and their dysfunctional relationships and how manipulative and strange and sinister and cynical uh, people can be. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's largely what Social Network was about about Mark Zuckerberg, you yeah. know, pinching this idea from these other guys, and then. Um, you know, it may not have been his, been his idea originally, but then he he blew it up, Expanded, and yeah. then all the sort of corporate backstabbing and, and double dealing and all that kind of stuff that happened at the, mm-hmm. at the inception of Facebook. Yeah, and um, you know, Gone Girl, obviously the Rosamund Pike character, manipula- and manipulating yeah. people, and yeah, and then I mean, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo to an extent, like with the serial killer, right, and manipulating all these you know innocent young women. You right, know, and, all, exactly. and all that, and then, and also Elizabeth Slander being she was manipulated, manipulated by, by her social worker, the, creepo, and just society in general. Yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, that's a very interesting. And one thing I I love about Fincher is his attention to detail. Right. He loves details, and like in Zodiac is the perfect. Oh yeah, we have Zodiac. Even brought, we haven't brought that another up brilliant yet. film. Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal, so good. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whereas, like, that movie's all about information right. and, like, how that passes. And, and that could be an absolute mess mm-hmm. in the hands of someone not as talented as him. Right. But it's fantastic. Yeah, it really is. It you, really you, is. Don't, you don't need to absorb every detail, but you get, okay, this is information passing from one place to another, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. it's so fascinating. Well, that's, that's again, that's what he does so well is he, he, he portrays the humans, those personalities so well in the film. It doesn't it doesn't become bogged down, it doesn't become mired in sort of the Ooh, I'm gonna solve a puzzle. It's not it's not like, hey, let's make the Da Vinci code with Jake Gyllenhaal. It's <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's more driven by the characters in the film. That's what he does so well is these sort of character studies. He's, mm-hmm. he's you know, it takes these really strange people and really explores them to their yeah. fullest. So. And uh, and what something else is obsession. He has you know which Zodiac is mm-hmm. like that's people being obsessed with things. Like right. Jake Joan Hall is absolutely obsessed with finding the killer. Right. Elizabeth Slander is, is obsessed with, with uncovering the truth. And the same with the Daniel Craig character. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's and so I'm I'm interested how that's going to play out in a 
zombie movie. I'm hoping that he has... Well, see, that's why I'm a little skeptical, is so much of what makes the Fincher film so good is the interplay between these very yeah. different, very strong, and often dysfunctional personalities, whereas World War Z, the first one was good, but it, it's Brad Pitt versus the Horde of Zombies. There's yeah. no sort of interpersonal kind of... Yeah, it's not really that memorable. It's just, I mean, it's a decent... It's a decent zombie you know? flick for what it is, you yeah. know. And it's got some cool special effects and stuff, you know, hordes of zombies... What was it? Scaling the Wailing Wall or something like yeah, that? Yeah, in Jerusalem. Bit, in Jerusalem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, there were some really interesting special effects, but you know, it, it was a fun, it was a decent zombie movie, but it wasn't really anything to write home about. I guess it did enough money that they're doing another one, but it wasn't. Yeah, I think it made about five hundred, just over five hundred million. Yeah, I mean, it didn't, it didn't, it's not going to change the course of Western cinema. No, <laughs> I'll put it that way. Yeah, so. yeah, um, and so I'm. Def, I'm not sure. I think it's like 2018. I think when that's supposed to be coming out. But yeah, I'm curious for sure. The um, I mean the the the, the zombie flick that I still think is definitive. I mean, other than the Romero stuff, mm-hmm. particularly what it, what was it, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. The ones that I think were really spectacular is the one. What was it? 20, 28 weeks Tw- later. Uh, there's 28 days later and 28 weeks later. The first one, 28 days later. Mm-hmm. That was. And I spectacular. And I actually really like Twenty Eight Weeks Later. It's it just it feels more. I mean, uh, Twenty Eight Days Later is more complex, but I think Twenty Eight Weeks Later has plenty of great horror moments. Mm-hmm. It's just constantly unsettling and very good action. Yeah. Sure, it's shallow, but it's yeah. I th- it's still very effective. But I think Twenty Eight Days Later is better. And yeah, I I, I really like Twenty Eight Days Later because it's it's very similar in a, in a sense to Alien. Yeah. Because it's humans and they're they're set against this this entity, this thing, you know, in one film it's the alien and in another film it's, you know, the growing zombie plague. Mm-hmm. But it's um they're not quite sure what's happening and it, they're in a it's the stillness. It's the stillness. It's all those scenes in Alien of the Stillness looking hunting down the alien in the big holds of the ship and then in uh In World War Z, um, or pardon, 28 Days Later, uh, you've got all, all the stillness of these survivors looking for food, banding together, and so it's, it's, it's the fear, that anxiety, that fear mm. of something coming for you, yeah. rather than, than the sort of visceral scare that you get, oh, I'm slicing and stabbing and yeah. pounding zombies with a baseball bat, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, I'm fighting the alien. No, it's it's where is it? What's yeah. going on? Mm-hmm. It's it's more of an anxiety-induced fear. Than yeah, definitely. Than it is a fighter for, sure. for your life-induced fear. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, David Fincher, I like him a lot. But again, I don't know that that uh, a World War Z film would necessarily play to his strengths as a director. Yeah, I mean, he has worked with Brad Pitt the t- twice. Uh, no, three Club. times, three times. Fight Club, Seven, and Benjamin Button. Oh, right. So um, I'm sure that'll be a good partnership. You yeah. Know? Um, but I, and also in terms of him shooting action, well, no, mm-hmm. there's action in Benjamin Button. There's that World War Two scene, yeah. which is pretty good actually. Yeah. And so I, I don't think he can't do action, but my guess is there will probably be a de- decent amount of action in this movie. Yeah. So that will be an I'm hoping a good change for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so more power to him. And hopefully that's good. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, all right, so uh, then there's uh, 
a question that actually got sent in from another friend of mine, so I appreciate you doing this. Um, so he asked, just out of curiosity, who's the most promising up-and-comer director in Hollywood right now, do you think? Like, who, you know, Whoa. and that, I mean, you know, not necessarily like Fincher, because he's already well-established, but someone who's, doesn't, he doesn't have to be young, but someone who's just kind of starting to get his name out there, like almost like Denis Villeneuve with um, Blade Runner 2049 and uh, Arrival yeah. and Prisoners and Enemy. He's kind of, all, he just kind of shot up out of nowhere and now yeah. he's this auteur uh, and I'm sure he's about to be a huge blockbuster director, I'm sure, because of right. Blade Runner. But someone like that, um, I would say is... And see, that's the thing is I'm not, I'm not as familiar with a lot of the, the young auteur directors out there. What about, uh, like, Jeff Nichols? Uh, what is, I recognize so him. He did Loving last year, and he did oh. Midnight Special. Yeah, um, Loving was spectacular. That was one of my favorite films from last same. year. Same, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, um, and he did uh, Take Shelter. Have you seen that with Michael no. Shannon? Oh, that's a good one. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, I think there's... Uh, I mean, what, the thing that we were kind of talking about last week, but it's a lot of people who are being put on these huge movies after doing a small indie movie mm-hmm. for better or worse like the guy who did Jurassic World Colin right. Trevorrow did Safety Not Guaranteed like some indie comedy and mm-hmm. now he then he did Jurassic World and mm-hmm. then he just did that shitty Book of Henry movie that just came out Book of Henry movie? yeah it, it, it just um, but yeah and I'll, there's also one um, we were just talking about him a while back but um, Damien Chazelle who did Whiplash and La La Land mm-hmm. but you refuse to see La La Land, is that right? Yeah, well, all kinds of reasons. Uh, Whiplash, I thought, was absolutely spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, and Miles Teller, J.K. J.K. Simmons, obviously he won an Oscar supporting actor. I mean, it's, again, the clash of personalities between those two characters is just so astounding. Um, absolutely spectacular film, very taut yeah. in terms of direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this a constant sense of, of tension. Yeah. Uh, not only between the characters, but you know the Miles Teller character, and he's so driven, and, and mm-hmm. he's always on edge, and mm-hmm. just how how that's portrayed throughout the film, spectacular. La La Land. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Don't care to see it. It's, I like Emma Stone. I like Ryan Gosling. It's entertaining, but I it's kind of been blown out of proportion. Mm-hmm. It's being some a, a mass like amazing masterpiece redefining it's just it's fine it's enjoyable it's entertaining but i don't know if it's as spectacular as or at least i didn't feel that way if you if you yeah. think it is that's fine I, not that i think it gets you but it's just not as amazing as i thought as i hoped it could be i mean what little i heard of the music it just sounded it's a little it's a little forgettable for me and i'm not a huge musical fan aside from a few like i like sweeney todd and some others but the music in that i was not that crazy about besides the main theme yeah. Like the City of Stars thing, which you kind of hear in the trailers, and I like that. But any, anyways, um, but yeah, so I think he's, and he's doing a Neil Armstrong biopic with Ryan Gosling, uh, Giselle is. Um, and so that should be, that sounds good. <laughs> hmm. I mean, it's, it sounds interesting. Just a Neil Armstrong biopic is, could be great. It could be, could be interesting, just yeah. as long as it doesn't go for the sort of over-the-top patriotism, mm-hmm. like Definitely. stuff. And I mean, mm-hmm. it's sort of a rehashing of of, uh, what was that old Clint Eastwood thing? Oh, Space Cowboys? Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. don't, don't do, don't do Don't do, don't, like that. but don't be Space yeah. Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, 
but I mean, he 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 obviously can direct. Uh, I don't really care to see La La Land. I think it was probably overblown. I, mm-hmm. Maybe I shouldn't say that because I haven't seen it, but but I don't know. I, uh, musicals are not really my my forte. Yeah. But Whiplash was spectacular. Um, so what? Who who else you got there? Uh, so we got another one is Alex Garland who did Ex Machina. Um, the sci-fi another indie. movie film Oscar yeah. Oscar Isaac awesome uh, Alicia Vikander Alicia Vikander ama- she's uh, awesome I fucking love her Gleason Dom Domino Domino Gleason. Gleason yeah Brendan Gleason is hit, hit hit and miss for me but yeah I think really he's, yeah he, like in, in Force Awakens I thought he was pretty bad really yeah just I, felt like he was in a different movie really yeah huh. but I mean usually I like him like in the uh, Revenant yeah I like him a lot in Revenant yeah, yeah. um but and so yeah, Ex Machina is just a, a sci-fi indie thriller, but it's mm-hmm. so interesting and it's like a, it's a thriller, then kind of a horror movie at times, mm-hmm. mystery. And he, he's also wrote the script for Dread and the movie Dread, and he may have done Twenty Eight Weeks Later, Twenty Eight Days Later, something like really? that. Maybe hmm. S- sounds kind of familiar. Um, anyways, but I think and he has some Dread. new. Which is Dread. The um, you know, it's based off the graphic novel oh, series. Oh, the Judge Dread, which is awesome. The more recent one with Carl Urban. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was considerably better than the original mm-hmm. one with Sylvester Stallone. Oh, definitely. Uh, but again, it, it it seemed to sort of take itself a little too seriously. Yeah, sure. Uh, but it was still a damn sight better than the horrible thing with with Sylvester Stallone, <laughs> and God only knows why. Rob Schneider. What the what the hell was? Oh that? God, I don't know. I don't know. And then, of course, Diane Lane was in it for... I don't know why. Yeah. You know, but there she was. Um, then, yeah. Um, then we also have... I don't know if you've seen any of these guys' movies, but Justin Krizel, who did Macbeth with Michael Fassbender, and he also did Assassin's Creed last year, which I was actually a fan of, even though critics really? destroyed it. Because huh. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the games, and I just it, it was interesting, and it was much better directed than I thought it would I, be. I didn't have the opportunity to catch yeah, that. Yeah, so. I, I mean, and I think he's... Beth is amazing, though. It's a be- really? beautiful... It's just violent, and it's fantastic. Hmm. And so I think he's an interesting choice. And then there's someone like... Um, uh, we were just talking about him. Uh, uh, District 9 guy. Neil, Neil Blomkamp. Blomkamp. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I like I love District 9. Elysium is cool. Chappie is a little too silly, but okay, it's enjoyable yeah. at times. And now he's doing these like short films. Have you heard about this? No. So he's directing. He has some, I guess, company or something, and he's directing very short sci-fi movies. I think one just got released called Raka or Raka, Mm-mm. and it's so he because he was going to do an Alien sequel, really? but then Ridley Scott did Alien Decided Covenant, you, yeah, and doing five me, more. <laughs> and is he really? It's, or he's at least they they have plans for five more. Oy so vey. I don't know. That's it's uh, it's. A lot. I yeah. I mean, I, 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 I honestly, I've enjoyed the last few. Uh, he's taking it in a very different direction from the, that first film that he did in the Alien series. Mm-hmm. Um, the last two I thought were interesting, but very drastically night and day different from that first one. Yeah. So, um, but I've, I've enjoyed them. I thought they were really fascinating in terms of the, 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 the themes that they touch on, mm-hmm. uh, particularly the Michael Fassbender character and how creepy weird he is. Yeah. Um, I, why do we keep need to going need need to keep going with that those I don't, I don't know, know. Little, little I enjoyed Alien Covenant but I don't need yeah. twenty of them. Um, 
Neil Blomkamp, I, I liked. And District 9 was brilliant. Elysium mm-hmm. was interesting. Not spectacular, but interesting. A bit heavy-handed at times. Yeah. Another uh, one that took itself a little too seriously. Yeah, and then and then you've got the... Uh, Chappie. Yeah, <laughs> well, I was just trying to remember that the, the character. It's the actor that he does all of his films with. Oh, uh, Charlotte Copley. Charlotte Copley, yeah. Who, in every other movie besides Neil Blomkamp, is horrible. Really? He's, like, every performance he does. Well, like, the A-Team, I remember. Yeah, the old boy remake with uh, Spike Lee. Yeah, I refuse to see horrendous. that because the original Korean one was yeah. spectacular. It's horrendous. Um, he's in Maleficent. And he was actually decent in Free Fire earlier this year, but he just needs to work with Neil Blomkamp always. Yeah. That's all I need. Well, uh, District 9, I quite liked him in that, but his character in Elysium was just so over the top. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you don't, you, don't, you don't need a character like that. I mean, you, you, could, you could redo the film and make his character a little different, and, but it's yeah. just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was such a over-the-top, crazy sociopath, running around, killing everybody. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah, alright, we get it. <laughs> and then Chappie, I didn't see... Um, don't... I mean, maybe I kind of want to see it again, interesting ideas in it, and I like that he's not doing science fiction films uh, in the sort of giant robot fisticuffs, laser beam, shooty-shooty mm-hmm. vein. Uh, again, yeah. he's treating science fiction more as, as potential futures, yeah. rather than as action adventure. Um, and so, Chappie, I would like to see because of the concept of you know artificial it's, intelligence and how does, how do you treat? It's really more like a kids' movie, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of why it got so destroyed. It's just kind of a little misunderstood. I don't think it's brilliant by any means, but it's fun mm-hmm. and it's. Uh, definitely, but it's definitely a big weird step away from Elysium and District Nine. So yeah, yeah, District Nine no was, was just brilliant. I mean, that was that was an absolutely innovative film. Mm. Elysium, less so. Interesting issues, and I like the fact that it wasn't strictly shooty shooty. I mean, the, the, what what, <laughs> what got me with Elysium though is that you could definitely tell it was a more Hollywood uh, influence film because. Whereas in District 9, there was almost no shooty-shooty. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Elysium, there's big action scenes, action sequences. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and District 9 is almost like a horror movie at times. Like, in a totally, way, yeah. It's just really interesting, yeah. which I, I didn't really get the first time. But Well, you've got, you've got the Charles O'Copley character, who's kind of, it's kind of, in a sense, the fly. Yeah, like, yeah. Right? Yeah. He's going through this transformation. He doesn't know what it is, but it's sort of this body horror, mm-hmm. horrific transformation process like the fingernails and the fingernails and, all that, yeah. and then you know his face and his you know the whole thing um and then and Elysium has kind of like that but it's not as much no I mean it's 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 more it's less scary it's more action. sort of action-y and you've got stubbly Matt Damon stomping around with his shaved head <laughs> yeah and, you know um, I like Matt Damon yeah, I, I, I like Matt Damon. I think he's a spectacular actor, and I think he did a very good job in that film. But mm-hmm. it's, it just didn't feel as quite as awesome. Uh, yeah, complex that, or interesting. Yeah, yeah. first film. Um, yeah, um, so I mean, there's definitely, in terms of some other directors, um, it's, I mean, there's Ryan Coogler, who we mentioned, um, and he uh, 
he directed Creed, um, and then he's also doing Black Panther, which is kind of what we were just talking about, a, kind of an indie director doing these huge blockbusters and how if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but Creed is a fantastic movie, and it's an interesting Rocky film, and I would say you should check that out. Yeah, I definitely want to um, see that. That's on my radar. I and, wanted to see that in the theater. And did you see uh, uh, the Black Panther trailer? It looks awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it's. It I think he's, awesome. he's. They made the right move with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I'd say there's another film, uh, which I thought was actually fascinating. Last 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 week, I was talking a little bit about how Marvel seems to sort of beat DC to the punch on everything. Yeah. Well, DC finally beat Marvel to the punch on something with Wonder Woman, mm. which was a spectacular mm. film. Definitely. But that aside, Marvel actually. Um, what is it, Black? Something they 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 just they just started putting another film into production, and they hired um, a black woman to direct it. Oh, uh, Ava DuVernay, yes, the girl who did uh, or lady who did Selma. Yes, yeah, yeah, she's yes. another one. And and uh, so that was that was exciting to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really enjoyed Selma. So I think she, yeah, she'll do a good. Yeah, job. it's nice. I mean, it's 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 funny that it, it's the comic book industry. Yeah. that all these films are coming mm-hmm. out and they're, they're giving these um, these typically sort of underrepresented directors these huge yeah. uh, vehicles uh-huh. to, to, to ply their trade um, but you know it's, it's absolutely fascinating and I think it's a little, a little funny in a way mm-hmm. that, that these directors are finally coming coming to public notice in front of yeah, comic book movies. Because then, like you know, if you like fifteen years ago or t- ten years ago, maybe people have been like, "Fuck that!" I'm, yeah. not, I'm not directing you know some lame, nerdy blockbuster. But now it's just like, no, please let me have. Well, that's the thing is they've know. done such a spectacular job making these films, and it's not just, again, it's not just sort of these massive action sequence set piece things. There's yeah. a lot of story that goes on behind it. Mm-hmm. And it it almost seems as though the story is the driving thing and this and, and the big fight sequences are are there to embellish the story rather yeah. than the story just being there to flesh out action sequences. Mm-hmm. And and same thing with the actors, like all these actors, like someone like Benedict Cumberbatch. Right. You know, he is this, you know, classy English actor. Nope, he's gonna go be Doctor Strange. Yeah, exactly. And Chris Pine and, and all these people. Right. Zoe Saldana, well, I guess Zoe Saldana has been in Star Trek and Avatar, but, you know, a lot of A-listers now. It's yeah. Because like, it's yeah. like, it's its own genre now, mm-hmm. a comic book movie. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Robert Downey Jr., you've got Michael Fassbender, James McAvoy, Michael X-Men Fassbender's, franchise, yeah. right, J-Law mm-hmm. in that franchise. Uh, and I mean, these are these are big name people mm-hmm. doing these films now, and so it's no no longer just sort of throw away, you know, watch it and forget it type film. These are films that you actually want to stick with, which is why they've been able to do the whole yeah. Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's succeeded. Yeah, and also it's like so. you sign up for one, and you're in six. Yeah, you know exactly. Like so the Tom job Holland, security. Like Tom Holland, who's the new Spider Man, gets to be Civil War. Spider-Man Homecoming, he's going to be in the, the Infinity War, Right. three sequels, you know, it's just like, oh, I have a career for the next 10 years, Yeah. you know, well, that, so it's... That's what I've heard is uh, Chris Evans, mm-hmm. the Captain America character, his, his contract runs out after, I believe, the fourth Avengers film. I think he said he's done after that. Uh, but there's been a little scuttlebutt, a little hubbub that he might stick around for some of the films and there's the, there's word of mouth that he might play the uh, the mentor character for Tom Holland Spider-Man huh. 
And so he wouldn't be, it wouldn't be like a full-on contract where he's the main character, con yeah. continuing role in the Captain America and Avenger films, but he would sort of show up here and there uh, in some of uh, some of the other franchises that they have now, namely the Spider-Man franchise. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just hearsay. I don't know whether yeah. that means that's that's true or not, but uh, I mean, yeah, if you sign on for one film, you're you're sort of a, you're a made man at that point. Yeah, so. definitely. And same thing with like Marco Robbie, who's Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad. Like she's gonna be in five, six movies or yeah. something like that. And so it's just that's awesome. Right. And more power to you. And um, but yeah, so those are hopefully a decent amount of directors to answer that question. Um, and so the final question. I'm sorry to this listener who sent in the question that we waited until. The very end. Last minute. You have yeah. to stick around and listen to all yeah. of our schlock. <laughs> if you want to hear, yeah, if you want to hear a, a listener question, you have to listen to the full episode. Anyways, so this is from Jason from Colorado. This is so awesome. Like what we were just talking about. Um, send in, and if you need to reach us, you have questions, comments, criticisms, hate mail, whatever you want to send us. You can reach us at the Filmbuds Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and you can we can read your message on the show, like we're about to do with this fellow. Um, so anyways, so Jason from Colorado writes, Hey guys, hope this is the right way to do this, but I came across your first episode a few days ago and was surprised how much I enjoyed it. There are a few times the audio could be tightened up, <laughs> but I'm sure you'll work on that. So uh, anyways. Sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, anyways, I wanted to write in about an issue that's been upsetting me recently. Do you think Johnny Depp's increasing media troubles are ruining his once great career? I've been a fan of Depp ever since the 90s, and I hate to see him willow away uh, by acting even stranger than he already does. And so besides the recent messy divorce and the money-spending troubles, do you think he went too far with the Trump assassination joke? Thanks. Looking forward to what you do next. Jason from Colorado. Braden, what do you think? Because um, I'm a huge fan of Johnny Depp. I love the guy. I've never been a huge Johnny Depp fan. I think he's done some interesting work. Um... Obviously, what's eating Gilbert Grape? Mm -hmm. um, what was the one last year where he played Whitey Bulger? Oh, Black Mass. Yes. Yeah. Good. Good performance. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Great film. I loved him in that. And so he's done some great work. He's never been my favorite, but he, when he has a good role and there's a good script and there's good direction, like Ed Wood. Ed Wood. Amazing. Another one. I I loved Ed Wood. Mm -hmm. Great film. Um, not in none of Ed Wood's films, obviously, playing Nine from Outer Space being worse than ever made. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, Johnny Depp and in that role playing Ed Wood, it's great. And, you know, the whole Tim Burton at his prime as well. Right, right, yeah. So, um, I've enjoyed a lot of what Johnny Depp's done, and I think uh, actors, it's imp I think it's it's important, it's crucial for them to have opinions and to express those opinions. Mm -hmm. I think that's an important thing because they can uh, get out a message, they've got the platform to get out messages about issues which otherwise might not be on people's radars. And I think there are a lot of big name actors who have used that platform rather well. Mm -hmm. um, Angelina Jolie, George Clooney, yeah. right? Uh, uh, I'm sure there are others as well who have, who have, who have championed causes, but um, that being said, I think it's utterly tasteless to make assassination jokes like that. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's improper. It's, yeah. You don't do that. Trump, I mean, Trump is a fucking turd muncher, I'm, but it's, yeah. it gets to a point, it's particularly just it being an actor, 
like you know someone like Stephen Colbert or Seth Meyers could make that joke maybe and get no, away with it. I it, think it, it's it, just tasteless. It, Anybody it, making that joke, it's yeah. it's tasteless. Um, yeah, I, I I I think, you know, if you disagree with somebody in that position, you have every right to state your opinions. But I think it, it, it's crass, and I think it it demeans your your not only you, but whatever argument you're making, whatever mm-hmm. cause you're trying to uh, to convey. I think it demeans that when you make just crass jokes like that. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think. I think that I think it's terrible. Mm-hmm. I think he should not have done that. Um, do I hope it ruins his career? No, but I think he it is he he does need to make a damn sight bit of uh, contrition for for that because it's a it's a thoroughly tasteless joke. Yeah, and he has ap- apologized apparently um, yeah. for it. But yeah, so I because now he has so he had the pretty messy divorce mm-hmm. with Amber Heard, who's right. the actress from. Pineapple Express and right. a few other things. She's gonna be in Justice League. Um, so that divorce went ho- horribly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to put it delicately, like I think there was even a few audio clips or video clips of him ranting or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, he and Charlie Sheen could get together. Yeah. Sure. Winning kind of a warlock. <laughs> oh yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, so, um, and then he's all these his agents have come out and talked about his insane spending with money and he bought an island. Yes. He bought an yes, I mean, but, that was a while ago. Yeah, but this is like, you know, I think he they, he would be spending 20000 a month on wine. And, yeah, it's like, it's just stuff like that that is insane. And it's, and so clearly he's at, at an issue, despite my love for the guy, I will see ev- everything he's in. But mm-hmm. he's definitely in a bit of a rut. And I think the Trump assassination joke was a little, definitely too much. Well, I'm wondering if it wasn't some really bad media ploy mm-hmm. to, to maintain attention and so to stay yeah. in the public the public eye you know mm-hmm. uh and if that if that's what it was there are much better ways to do that yeah um i think it's just that he's sort of in a, in a sense he's lost touch with reality uh some of these some of these guys do they have so much money and then you know um but uh after trump winning a lot of the stuff i've seen from from i i'm a dyed-the-wool liberal mm, same but some of the things I've seen these people do I mean there's a difference between being a sore loser and just going off the deep end yeah and I think again it doesn't help anybody's cause and particularly the, the Democratic Party's cause if you're out there like Kathy Griffin Oh God, the cat right and the decapitated Trump head. Yeah, but even that, that so she, now she shouldn't have done that either. And I, yeah. I, sorry, if listeners, we're getting a little political here. Uh, political buds podcast spinoff. Yeah, um, but yeah, so that was like, but then they just destroyed her. Yeah, like she's her like, career is is tanked. Yeah, she's, so it's like I didn't like her beforehand, but and just because she does this one thing does not mean you need to destroy her. And that, yeah. I think that's one issue with Trump. Uh, and so it's well, but, he's he's known. For anybody who, who crosses his path, I mean, he does an absolute scorched earth policy. Yeah, like he just he no would absolutely wreck sure. them. Um, I think I think it's inappropriate. Well, both what she did and what Johnny Depp has said, I think it's inappropriate. Um, this is there still needs to be some respect for the office, at least, if not the person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would say respect the office, not and who's um, in it, you know. And as such, you know, if you want to, if you want to voice 
discontent or, or dismay about about uh, the president and what he's doing, by all means, do that. But do it in such a way that you're not going to undermine your message or undermine your, your, your party. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, voice of reason. Yeah. Listen, to, and, listen to that voice of reason. Yeah. And I think that if he, had, if he hadn't had the divorce and the spending issues and he had just said that, it would have been like, okay, that wasn't good, but that's Johnny Depp, he's a little yeah. weird. But with all well, of this, he's tacked that on. And it's just, I think that's driven his case for being, I'm just in a bad place a mm-hmm. little too much. We're like, all yeah. right, you, you got to shape up. Or, Well, I'm, I'm wondering if it isn't that $20,000 in alcohol he's <laughs> spending every month. Yeah. And he's, he's, you know, constantly nursing some sort of hangover, which has completely impaired his, mm-hmm. his, his reasoning or something. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I think, I think... I think he's he's one of these people. The money he sort of lost touch with for sure reality. Because he there be there are times are like articles that would say you'd be making seventy five million a year, mm-hmm. and it's just someone with that much money, or particularly someone who's not really aware of how to handle it, is right. destroy exactly. himself. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, now he's talked about retiring recently, but he has like six or seven movies lined up on IMDb. Mm-hmm. Like he's gonna be in the Invisible Man. Remake, which I love oh, the Invisible yeah. Man, the 1933 one, and so I'm excited mm-hmm. to see that. But, and I, I think if he is going to keep acting for a while, I think he should start doing more supporting roles, not no more like um, Mad Hatter roles, just kind of quirky supporting roles that are right. interesting, right. a little more grounded. Mm-hmm. And it, if he wants to embrace the his wackiness even more, than just do that, but don't take a step down from the media yeah public eye get out of the unless you've got something important to say and a reasonable mature way to say it yeah don't 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 be an ass because he's already kind of lost his box office draw or appeal yeah like Alice well, I mean, Looking Glass Lone Ranger Dark Shadows just uh, a line of I know some of those I, I like the Lone Ranger what was that but, horrible piece of schlock he did last year what was it with Gwyneth Paltrow oh Mordecai Mordecai <laughs> oh that was what awful. the hell was that was, I don't know and it flopped hard and yeah so yeah it's right. he has a long line so of, I mean Black Mass that one did okay it did okay but I mean it was it was such a such a fascinating film to watch at least it was a critical success yeah you know, so uh, you know and, and I see so many of these stars who've gone from uh, schlocky films to doing really excellent, excellent work. Mm-hmm. Matthew McConaughey being, I think, perhaps the, the biggest success yeah. story. But um, Johnny Depp seems to be going in the absolute opposite direction. Uh, he started off doing some really spectacular films, and every now and again he'll put out something good. But, I mean, the the bulk of what he's doing now is just schlock. schlock. Yeah. I mean, all those Pirates of the Caribbean, Caribbean, Caribbean. Well, I like the first three, but the the latter two are not good and he feels very it. uninvested I haven't even seen the most recent one which was supposed to yeah all awful. critics have said it's awful the first four the first one ooh it's fun to watch and then the second one uh, okay <laughs> here he yeah. is again with his dreadlocks and his eyeliner and then the third one you go oh I, God. I, I like the I like the messiness of the third one a lot it's not perfect I know it's not amazing but I do like the yeah I'll, it's in, at least it has Gore Verbinski's direction which is good yeah um yeah. but yeah so I think he should definitely needs to make a change for sure he needs one he way needs, or the other he needs a life coach or something to put him back in touch with reality just say no no more 20,000 a month in wine 
yeah. unless you're you, you you want to take seriously collecting. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't. They, they did release a huge list of all of the things he had bought, mm-hmm. and he owned those insane, like so many movie collectibles and all these things. That's just that's that's where a lot of the money is going. Just buying things, which yeah. I would probably be doing the exact same thing. But well, is that because he's sort of a broker? He just wants to spend money on just cool shit. Probably that. Yeah, <laughs> considering Johnny Depp, his personality. I bet it's probably it. You know, I mean, that's. If I, if I had that kind of money, I might buy a nice car, a nice computer, a nice house, yeah. and go out to a nice dinner every now and again. But, I mean, having just tons and tons of shit just to have tons and tons of shit <laughs> makes no sense to me. Yeah. I'll buy a bunch of Blu-rays, a nice TV, um, some nice food. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but, yeah, I mean, I really... Because I, I love him, like I've said, and I, so I hope he gets maybe takes a year off or something and kind of gets his head back in the game um but yeah so definitely the trump assassination joke not don't like trump but shouldn't shouldn't say that anyways no Um, no have respect for the office if not the person yeah no matter who you are that's still not no that's no bueno yeah um (laughs) no no bueno very much no bueno come on johnny depp mr johnny i i you know i think i think he's I wonder if it's that he spent so much time in all these sort of wacky roles, right? Playing the disjointed pirate captain, playing the the, the disjointed Indian mystic, Native American mystic. I, I, oh, Lone Ranger? Yeah, yeah, Lone Ranger, right? He plays Tonto. Mm-hmm. Um, playing the disjointed investigator in Mordecai. Yeah. And I mean, whether something hasn't fundamentally snapped in his brain somewhere yeah so i don't i don't know but um i think i think i mean is this the culmination of all the all the stress and anxiety he's going through with all these other problems or is this just symptomatic of something else Mm -hmm. and the all of these things are just a a steady uh uh, decline accumulation of or or what's the word i'm looking for Build up. I don't know. I can't think of the word right now. But but is this is this the? I guess is this is this a product of or is this a symptom of something else? I mean, what what is going on in his mind? And, and I, you know, he needs he needs somebody, some help, professional help, seek professional help. Yeah. But I mean, this kind of, this kind of statement is is it's not in keeping with the highest practices or the highest standards. For sure. And you know if. If somebody of his stature has that platform to make messages like that, then they need to do so in a um, in a thoughtful and uh, smart way. Smart way, yeah, yeah. An intelligent way. Because I mean, obviously, the media is going crazy with Trump. Obviously, that's. Yeah. I think they say it's more than any any other president, mm-hmm. which is no surprise. But and so, but you still need to be somewhat smart about it. So, yeah. You know. Um, yeah, so hopefully he'll get his shit back together and he'll have a prosperous latter career. Uh, yeah. The rest of his career. Yeah. Knows. Well, he just needs to take more of the, the Whitey Bulger roles and stay away from the crazy pirate slash mystic slash investigator slash whatever. Yeah. So. Um, sorry, I just got an email there. Um, <laughs> uh yeah, and so that's why I'm hopeful for the Invisible Man. I think that could be interesting. Even mm-hmm. though the Mummy wasn't very good, I think 
he could be an, an interesting part to that. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Mm, yeah, exactly. We'll see so, with all these I movies. Mean, the, first one, the first one didn't, didn't set the bar very high. Not at all. But then again, if that's what the rest of them are going to be like. What's the point? What's the point? What's the fucking point? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, well, all right. Uh, I think that's about all we got for today. Um, thanks for everyone for sticking with us and dealing with all the difficulties. Um, we're going to work on that again since we're all you know new to this and we're in weird places from time to time. So thank you for bearing with us. Um, but yeah, so just the last few things. So next week we're going to be talking about Baby Driver, Edgar Wright's Baby Driver. And then probably either um, Okja, the new Bong Joon-ho movie that's coming on Netflix, uh, I, I guess tomorrow, and or maybe The Beguiled, the Sofia Coppola movie, or maybe another retro review, something like that. But we're definitely going to be talking Baby Driver because we'll have a buddy of mine over Skype who's a huge right head um, and uh, would love to talk to us about it. He's going to come with us over Skype, so you can be looking forward to that because he's a really cool guy um and will davies will be back with us we may have someone else as well and brain are you still deciding if you're or are you going to be busy um uh it, it depends i i don't know all right my schedule changes regularly but but if i can make it i will definitely be here cool so we'd love to have you so it makes me go out and watch movies which i should be doing anyways yeah so. everybody should be doing that go out and watch movies even though these movies are absolute garbage that we've been talking about lately. Go, go, go see something at least. Maybe not these movies. Yeah, not but... everything but the ones we're talking about. Yeah. Just go go see the others. Um, we Because everyone should be a movie person. Go go watch movies. It's fun to go to a theater and just escape for a couple hours. You'd be surprised. And don't be worried about going to see a movie by yourself. I love yeah. going to movies by myself. It's the best thing. Yeah. If you need a time to relax, go. You're not weird. You may be weird. I'm weird, but... I'm definitely weird. Yeah. I've made my peace with that. Yeah, so go out and see movies by yourself, have fun with it, and enjoy the summer. And it's fucking hot, so do that. Yep. Escape. Um, but, okay. Um, well, thanks for joining us. Um, and I guess we will see you all next week. We'll see you later. Mm-hmm.